0: Welcome to The Possibility Podcast. I am your host, Sarah Knight. In this session, I talk to Diana Beresford-Kroger and release this podcast on the day that her latest book is released, To Speak for the Trees, My Life's Journey from Ancient Celtic Wisdom to a Healing Vision of the Forest. And Diana very graciously agreed to speak to me today after she was invited to participate in the Wild X event on the 5th of October in Montreal, and alas, a conflicting event in her schedule meant that attendance was not possible. But she has a very important message that she wants to get out to not only all Wild X attendees, but everyone, everywhere. And so please listen on as Diana shares this message with you. Hello and welcome to another session of the Possibility Podcast. Today it's a little bit hard for me to contain my excitement. Uh, The woman that I am speaking with is someone that I have admired for quite some time. Diana Beresford-Kroger is a world-recognized author, medical biochemist, botanist, and perhaps my favorite term, Uh, she's a a self-prescribed renegade scientist, and that is a great word for her. Her education is really quite remarkable. Uh, She spent many, many years learning the Brehen laws of the ancient Celts in Ireland. Uh, which taught her the remarkable depths of the Brehen knowledge of plants and nature, as well as many years spent in more Western-style academic education in so many areas of science and medicine. Diana is most likely the leading authority of the spiritual aspects of trees, the medicinal aspects of trees, the resource, the ecosystem, the ultimate um, incredible significance of trees for our planet and for our species, and her knowledge on all of those elements is quite remarkable she is uh, an author of six books uh, coming on seven I have just learned another one to be to be released in a couple of months she's the author and presenter of a documentary call of the forest which I understand has gone viral in India and other parts of the world her latest book to speak for the trees includes her whole journey and her healing vision for the forest I've read this book, um, and I practically eat it as I read it. I was so enthralled uh, with this book. And as well as carrying her own incredible life story, um, there's so much information on this book on the incredible spiritual and medicinal properties of the trees and really its ultimate message which is one that Diana um, has been very very actively sharing for many many years now is the importance of trees if we want to address this climate crisis trees are the answer Um, so Diana thank you so much for joining me today well it's my delight really and Diana, it, I should also right now congratulate you. I hear two months ago, uh, you told me just before we started recording, because this information, I don't think, has really reached much out into the news as much as it should have. You were um, given an incredible award. You were awarded uh, a Doctor of Laws from Carleton University. That's right, yeah, yeah for my work on climate change.
1: But you see, the problem is, is that I'm a woman and there's a certain amount of gender bias still there.
0: So there you go. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's what's keeping this information quiet, which is interesting um, since there are so many people around the world that are seeking you and people like you um, and that, the way that that feminine knowledge is carried. So I'm delighted that, that Carlton has recognized this and what they say on their website, in recognition of your outstanding efforts in preserving the Earth's climate and forests through the use of ethical, scientific, and traditional concepts. So that's remarkable. You share now, I understand, um, again, because you told me that Nelson Mandela and Kofi Annan are two other people that have been awarded this honorary degree. So you, you stand amongst um, some high ranks there. Thank you, Diana. You're
1: welcome. You're welcome.
0: Thank, Thank you. you. As we discovered before we started recording, there's many, many things that we could talk about. But what I would really like to do is um, get you to start with briefly describing how you came to hold so much knowledge that spans the spirit and the science when it comes to trees.
1: Well, when I was 12 to 13, um my family essentially were wiped out and it was in Ireland and technically I should have been sent to what would be equivalent to the aboriginal uh, schools, the the um the schools that the kids were put in and these schools were are, are like jails. I mean, and you're battered, your your culture is battered out of you. I was supposed to be sent to the Magdalen Laundries. And that's a huge disgrace in Ireland right now, uh, where I would have to wash clothes for the people of the city of, of, of Cork. And what happened was the judge pulled me into his chambers and my father's family are aristocrats. In fact, I'm related to Princess Di. My name is Diana, I know, but I'm related to her and to a lot of the royal family. And um, he my, and uh, my name is Beresford, and he was the judge was terrified that some of my mob, and that's the Beresfords, would get after him and he'd lose his job. And they're vindictive, vindictive enough to do that. As a matter of fact, they're lords and ladies and marquises and God knows the whole blinking shemals of, of all of these aristocratic titles. So instead of putting me into the Magdalen laundry, he put me under kind of curfew for 10 years in the care of my uncle. And my uncle was a bachelor. He was a famous athlete. So can you imagine that happening today, a 12 year old, 13 year old girl being put into the hands of a man who had never been married? I mean, it just wouldn't happen now. But what what the good thing was is his name was uh, Patrick O'Donoghue and he was Uncle Pat to me. And the man had 10,000 books in this house. And they were all first editions, and I ate and swam and, and sank and fell over books, stacks of books, books everywhere, and that was my life. Hmm. So then, what happened is that in the summer times, uh, the summertime, then we we're going into my mother's family in the south of Ireland. In the summertime, I was packed off to a place called Lachines which is near Bantry, if you want to look at it up on the map, it's a beautiful place, near Bantry. And of course, it's south of Killarney. And my mother's family castle home was the Castle of Ross in, in Killarney. And my mother's family were ancient aristocrats too. But now hang on here now. The Castle of Ross was just a corner, huge big corner, and there were pigs and sows in the corner. So like, don't get excited. it was a big, <laughs> huge castle because it wasn't. Anyway, um, my mother's relatives were all in their 80s and 90s and they all spoke Gaelic. the on Gaelic good, that they had the Gaelic aus Gaelga, And spoke uh, Latin and Greek. And they, I was the last child of that family. There were no more children after me. And essentially, technically to them, I was a royal child. I was their royal child. Because under Breham laws, which are pre-Magna Carta, the Breham laws, were put together in the year 300, and they had existed for 500 years before the birth of Christ. And those laws say that one orphan child is everybody's child. There is a sharing in raising a child as an orphan. And 22 people out of the Valley of Lachine's decided that I had to be given my ancient inheritance. My ancient inheritance was knowledge. They taught me all the knowledge of the ancient world. And that was medicines, that was and Anfishoagri are all of the magical systems of telecommunication, telepathy, thinking, meditation and all kinds of other things and the laws of the trees. The laws of the trees are such that the language I am using today that you're listening to is not based on an alphabet A B E A B you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's based originally in the 3rd century on an alphabet of trees mm. and willa, sacred trees that that had due respect to them. And the taboos all around that in language meant that the, the forests had a greater protection at the time of Christ than they have today. Because the ancient people understood that the the planet had a mantle and the mantle was the forest. You remove the coat, you remove the mantle and you kill the child of the planet. So those were the, those were the wisdoms given to me. And then what I did is what I did is, of course, they decided that I would have as much education as was possible in the Western world. So I went to all kinds of, I, you know, I got very, very educated. But what I did is I put all those ancient things to test, to trial. And I trialed all of those ideas and found that they were right. So I carried that second bundle of knowledge under one arm while I got all of the other degrees. And I've got enough degrees to gag a maggot under the other arm. Mm -hmm. And that was when I decided that I was offered a professorship of medicine. I refused that. And that's a long time ago now because I wanted to take that sacred trust that was given to me. I was told in a sacred trust to bring this ancient knowledge into the new world in the time of now. And the time of now, it will be needed by everybody. And I have been very faithful to that mission. And it is mission impossible, but now it's mission possible.
0: Wow, Diana, your story is remarkable. When I read your book, To Speak for the Trees, um, what came across so clearly was this, um, something that I feel very personally, this idea of destiny, and that everything does happen in our lives for a reason. And that if we listen to our to our deep truths and we're willing to stand behind them and act on them, then our destiny unfolds as it should. What you went through, your traumatic experiences as I can see that you had some understanding at your very young age that there was something that was going to unfold for you but that you were brought through the education that you were brought through and that you came to Canada and and took in the science and now have this voice um, that is so needed and your commitment to um, a commitment to that destiny to bring this knowledge and this wisdom to the to the western world and to and to speak for the trees is is something i'm so grateful for and something that is absolutely so needed right now you mentioned before we started recording that that actually all of this book to speak for the trees were sold out on pre-order is That's that correct right. yeah
1: wow. yeah actually 3 weeks ago
0: Wow. I mean it just goes to show that people really, really, really are ready for this. So I mean you've already what you said there too was that much of what you learned through this Celtic education, through the the, 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 the Brehan laws, you later proved through through science. Can you talk about that a little bit? How how those two two worlds came together for you?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, I, I must say from from what, you know, your your piece of the conversation is that One thing I was taught, I was taught empathy Mm. and empathy. I was taught it into, it was driven into my soul with very harsh lessons to me as a child. And empathy is something we all have to adopt. We all have to have and look at other people, animals, even butterflies with the eyes of empathy. And hold those things in our heart, because if we can do that, we can do incredible things, all of us. So, going back to the going back to the um, to the medical libraries. Um, well, what I did is I put them all on. I put all these all this thinking on trial, and if you have a scientific mind. The, you, you do have to do that if you're going to believe that. You do have to put all of that kind of thinking on trial. And it came out okay, all fine, except this very funny thing that I was taught to do is a form of telepathy. And I call it running strings on people. Mm-hmm. I run a string, a mental string, and you you pull that out of your psyche um, in absolute silence the kind of silence that's known in buddhism and you pull it out of you and you string it on somebody and then you know about them you know that they're going to call you you know that before they will call you on the phone you know how they're doing and that is something that i was taught i don't have an answer for that mm-hmm. it makes you very tired once you've you've done it um but it's there. And I don't actually have an answer for that. There is possibly some answers in quantum mechanics and in quantum physics. Um, but I that would take a very long conversation to discuss that. It's very simple, but a long conversation.
0: You know that that again, that your ability, this telepathic ability came across in in a number of your stories. And it's seems to me that it it runs right parallel to maybe to this empathy that you're talking about you know maybe one more stage of that that um that empathic interaction and something that struck me, um, in the book, and it was a, it was further to what you were just saying about, about empathy and the, and the importance of being able to feel a connection with all living things Mm -hmm. is that you really seem to see and feel and understand that trees are sentient beings. And, this doesn't just come across that you understand this from a, you know, from a spiritual um, and empathic perspective, but also that there is scientific evidence for this. And that seeing of that, how, I, I mean, I, I experience that as well. Um, I feel deeply connected to trees and I'm able to connect with them. But that seems to be a skill that we so need right now. I mean, if we could care, as you just said, if we could care about the, it would be so much easier to care for them. Is there some something that you can offer? How can you develop this empathic um, connection with with nature and with trees?
1: Let me let me kind of tell you something which is kind of astounding. I mean, this was, this is just a short podcast, but uh, there's something astounding. The DNA pattern of a tree, the DNA of a tree, is the same as you, the same as you, same as me, is same as all mammals. It's a pattern language that is used and we never knew it was there. Every cell in the tree has got the same pattern language as you and me. It is multiplied a bit more, but it is much more complex. And the tree itself produces something at the end of the branches called a a gibbane structure. A gibbane structure is like a tiny molecular uh, cello. Mm -hmm. And that cello is capable of reception. And when you sing to a tree or you talk to a tree is the basis of all of the old songs that were used at harvest time and used at spring planting time. And it is not an extraordinary thing to the Aboriginal people to know that there is a listening in all of nature. Um, It is an extraordinary thing for a Western person to think that, but it is not extraordinary for the medicine men and medicine women all over the world. A number of years ago, I was at a conference and I I was in the company of this medicine man who actually lives out on the West Coast. He had this man has three PhDs. They were looking at the bending of Ulmus Americana, that's American elm, Mm. And he said to me behind my back, whispered into my ear, he said, I can, I can hear that tree weep. Wow. He was not a fool. He was a very educated man, and I understood exactly what he was saying. I, Of all of the crowd there, he came to me and said that to me, and I know what he was talking about.
0: Wow. And so, I mean, from what you have just said there, too, these structures are obviously, again, it's scientifically proven that these this these songs that our indigenous people, our ancient Celts knew to be sung at certain times of the year, that the receptors on these trees are actually picking up this sound.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, we're talking ancient cultures here and everybody assumes there are a bunch of savages. Um, the first great calendar was produced out of the Celtic culture, mm. um, and that's the Colony calendar. There were tremendous mathematicians. These people were not stupid. Mm. They were brilliant. The greatest materia medica, and that is the body of knowledge in medicine, is Celtic. It's held in the Bodleian Library and it's held in Spain. They had rules and regulations for hospitals before the time of Christ. Hospitals comes from the words, the ancient Gaelic word ospidael. Ospidéal is the word we adopted as hospital. You go out into the street and you see a car, C-A-R. In Old Gaelic it's C-A-R-R, and that is transportation, transportation on wheels. We use Gaelic every single day and we don't even know it from the time of before Christ. So, so you know, education in the old world, in the ancient world, was 17 years worth of education. And it was equal for a boy or a girl. If a girl was smart, she could be a physician. She could be a, an astronomer. She could be a mathematician. She could be a poet. Um, it's only in the last 500 years of looking at society where you look at women and you put women down because they're supposed to be the breeders of society. But indeed, many, many women in the ancient world have been brilliant women. I'm thinking about Queen Mae, for instance. She ran her own army. She had her own sailing ships. And believe me, when she captured the men, she, put, she pulled them into her own boudoir. And guess what happened to those gentlemen? I will not say it on air, but um, I get great amusement out of that.
0: Diana, your, your, there's, your fierceness is remarkable. And this is, this is not new. Like this is not, your fierceness isn't just something that comes for a lot of women, you know, a lot of women. I'm 45 now. I remember kind of when I turned 40, my fierceness started to come to the surface. You have always been fierce. Yeah,
1: Yeah, uh, what I say is for a woman, all women, all stripes, all colors, dots, spots, the whole lot of us, you put your courage in a suitcase, you put your hand down, you pick up the suitcase, and you walk with it all
0: of your life. Hmm beautiful which you certainly are you you know before we started recording we talked a a little bit about Greta Thunberg the 16 year old climate activist that is leading a global movement and she is she is fierce and she is courageous and she is 100 percent standing behind what she knows to be true and the world is ready for it we were we were waiting for her waiting for you waiting for people to to show us how to carry the carry the briefcase.
1: And Greta has
0: the heart of a soldier.
1: She's the heart of a warrior. She may just be 16. I'm not sure if she's 15 or 16, but she has the heart of a warrior and that will always be there in her. And we should be very grateful that she exists. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You you mentioned it quite a few times in your book, how you actually carry this suitcase along and to accomplish what seems impossible. And you talk about just starting off with that first step, the first step on the of belief and on that road. Can you can you talk a little bit more about you gave so many examples in the book of things that huge things that you have accomplished that started with just one step. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, well, it it, it was I was about 12 years old when this happened, approximately, you know, I mean, you know, my childhood was just so messed up. But um, what happened in the Valley of Lachines was that we uh, we had one field that was a field of corn and was five acres. And in Ireland, they call barley corn, barley corn. And it was ready. And Patrick, Patricklish Patlishine's, whom was my cousin there, he came up and he looked at the the field and he said, "Oh my goodness, it's ready." But there was a couple of tractors in the valley, and generally they would swap the tractors around to cut the corn and to 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 sheaf it and stoke it. But the tractors, we couldn't get the tractors, and we were afraid that we'd lose the crop. If we lost the crop, we'd lose the money. Lose the money, you lose everything, right? So we walked into the field early, early one morning and Pat said to me that he needed help. And he had a scythe and a scythe stone, stone for sharpening the scythe. And I had my two hands and he had his two hands. And I looked at the width and the breadth of that five acre field and I thought, my God, we, can, we can't we can do this, Pat. I mean, I was just a young girl. I wasn't very strong. I was like a stick, really. We started. The first step to do anything is the Is the thought that you can do it. It's the thought in your mind that's important. You look at it face on face and you say to yourself, I might fail, but by God, I'll have a good shot at doing it. We started early in the morning and he cut the the corn and the the movement of the sides is like a ballet dancer. It's a beautiful movement to watch a man and his instrument work. And he showed me how to bind the corn, put it together, stook it. And by the time the Angelus came, which was 12 o'clock in the Valley of Lachines, we had almost half the field done. We were getting exhausted. But by the time the six o'clock bells rolled over the field, we were finished. (sighs) And that was the biggest lesson of my life. You can't learn it in a lab. You can't learn it anywhere. That kind of lesson is a lesson of the mind that you, one person, two people can do extraordinary things and nobody can take it away from you.
0: Nobody. Diana, wow. I, that experience is remarkable and it really seems to have paved the way for what you committed to for the rest of your life. You, I mean, you, you, you walked away from the comforts, the safety of academia. Because you knew your truth, knew that you would be absolutely stifled and controlled there, and that you had a much bigger mission than 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 simply one that um of of prestige of being associated with an institution.
1: And the funny thing is, I now have the prestige. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought that? I like, I mean, my wheelbarrows have got two holes in them. I I have this huge garden. I have this huge place. My research area is huge. Who would ever have thought in my life that the academia would start respecting me now?
0: I mean, it's crazy. That is, it actually, it's beautiful, isn't it? The way that this has worked, how ironic and how beautiful. It's incredible. There's, there's so much of what you just said that I want to go back to. But one thing that I, um, because your knowledge spans um, so many fields you know, you talk about all of the medicine that we can get from trees. And actually, in, oh, yeah. in one of your YouTube talks, I, I heard you say that yeah. more than 50 or 60 percent of our medicines come from trees. Yeah. 60. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about all the different, you know, what we get from the the, the bark, the pollen the you know the different okay. biochemicals that are given off could you just give a few examples of that incredible medicine now
1: Anna? i'll track back to our dna okay what i said is that the dna pattern language is in trees okay but it is multiplied in trees it's in in a different type of uh, slightly different type of formation what that does is it makes the trees into molecular machines molecular biological machines of biochemistry. 60% of all our medicine is made in trees. Some of the medicine is so complex and it comes from the internal part of the tree where you have cryptogrammic fungi living in the, in the middle of a tree and there's a war going on between the tree and the fungi, that produces a huge arena of medicines because both species within the tree protect itself. And from that we have things like um, the taxane compounds. Some of them are almost impossible to manufacture, put together in an organic chemical lab. The taxane compounds cure cancers they go in and they shoot cancers out of the body all of the women who have had breast cancer have used taxane taxiferole all those compounds go in and they knock it out now we have another new set of imaging from trees and it is called immunotherapy is being set up now which is enormously successful for all forms of cancer Uh, some of the redwoods produce a diterpene compound so the men walking in the redwoods in the early morning with prostate cancer or the beginnings of prostate cancer is something they should do then if you have something like depressions or anxiety a lot of people have that will you sit under a willow, especially where there's running water, because there's 22 separate compounds of the salicylic acid compound that is produced. Sometime, some of them are lactones, some of them are, have different diterpene structures on them. It helps in the breathing and the and and the sitting, a steady state sitting and um, mental. Uh, just shut off your mind and just go into a lollygag. Cell sitting there and these 22 compounds will go into your lungs go into your on the surface of your arms get absorbed into the tissue of your body go on your hair and you will come away from there feeling one hell of a pile better you'll feel really reflect, refreshed but go back to salicylic acid which one of us doesn't have an aspirin in our medical cabinet huh, we all do that comes from trees. That came from the distillation of evergreen compounds. So so you have you have that is all we have. All we have, you and I, the whole population, all we have is nature. Outside of nature, we ain't got an imagination. We don't have the ability to sit down and manufacture medicines right off the spot. We have to take a calm and fine calm. All of the structures within—it's called biodiversity, biological diversity. That's where our medicine comes from, folks. You cut down the forest, and you
0: destroy your medical cabinet. It's very simple. Diana, just to touch on a few things you said there. So, if (laughs) I understand, (laughs) you do manage—you do manage to pack a lot of knowledge into minutes oh yeah look at the inside of my brain i tell you it's mush (laughs) (laughs) this so first of all you know what trees have to offer us we don't have to eat the leaves or the bark i mean what you're talking about they are emitting these compounds that we are breathing in that are absorbed through the skin we just have to sit underneath a lot of. yeah that's
1: right yeah, and there, there are some huge experiments going on now. I'm going to talk a bit of physics to you now. Um, there, there are several laboratories around the world, and MIT is involved, Germany is involved, uh, Finland is involved, and these are called cloud chamber cloud chamber experiments. They have been proven mathematically, um, very, very difficult kind of work to do, and it's mainly done by physicists. And what we are finding is that trees produce aerosols, and the aerosols are like dogs with a tail. Think of a dog with a big, long tail, some short tail, but think of your dog with a tail. The tail picks up moisture out of the air, and we are finding that is the beginning of the weather patterns of the world. Who would ever have thought that? Who would ever have thought that water... In the hydrological cycle, starts with a tree, starts with the aerosol pattern of a tree, and then you have water, fresh water, potable water, underground water sources. You take away the forests and you take away the water
0: beautiful can you take me take me out then a bit further because in again in your in your book and some of what i've listened to you talk about the global significant, significance of canada's boreal forest and you touch on on salt patterns and weather patterns and can you can you take this picture out really big for me right now let's do this for the whole globe
1: the last great working forest is the boreal forest. It works together in a synchronicity that we in science still do not understand. It crowns the planet. It is like a regal crown on the head of the planet. It is a huge forest representing about 30% of all global forests. That forest is the last forest and it is the workhorse of the planet. That forest does extraordinary things. What it does is it leaches compounds like fulvic and humic acid into the great salt waters of the sea. Humic acid is a chelating agent. The chelating agent pulls out iron from the land into the sea, which is poor with iron. The iron activates all of the nanoplankton, all of the crococales, camisiphonales, all of the huge structures of the seas that are minute, 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 tiny, tiny little creatures and gives them iron and they can multiply and get great. That is the feeding foundation of the sea for all fish All mammals and all whales, and all the things like great otters, and all of the wonderful whales that you just love watching puffing up, and the puffins, and all of those things. That's what the burial does for us. And it also holds. coldness up in the north pole and in the south pole well in the south pole you don't have the forest but you did have them there once upon a time but right now that we're talking about the globe right now the planet right now it holds the cold up by a reflection of light and it's by the albion effect it's called it holds the cold up there so you start hammering away at the boreal forest well you may as well put nails into your coffin get the coffin ready because that's where we're all going if you keep doing that kind of stuff because the planet has to be oxygenated and the the carbon dioxide is very high but the oxygen oxygen concomitantly is getting lower so if you don't believe me that you need oxygen look at a tree and then hold your breath maybe for an hour two hours or maybe for the rest of your lifetime and you'll find out where life comes from in a breath of oxygen that comes from a tree. And many of those molecules of oxygen come down from the boreal. Wow. 30%
0: of the, the of the world's forest in the boreal forest. That's incredible. And, and, I, you, know, yeah, and you know what's happening in the Amazon right now. The boys are down there with their torches. Yeah. And
1: actually, I think We should have a global panel of scientists and people and politicians. God knows I don't like the word even politicians, to be honest with you, of people, ordinary people, and have a couple of school children involved in this one, Mm -hmm. and do advising for the whole planet. And let's let's do that so we can stop the burning in the boreal, that we can stop these kind of crazy things. But, you know, the New Zealanders have got one answer for this. They turned the far, one of their forests into a person. they turned one of their rivers into a person, and in the eyes of the law, that challenges Magna carta
0: yes 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 i, I, I didn 't realize New Zealand had done that. I had heard Bolivia had done that i didn 't realize New Zealand had wow. Yeah. you know, it's, it's so, it's getting more and more understood, but I mean, maybe not yet appreciated, um, that our the very air that we breathe depends on trees, that they produce oxygen for us. But you, I mean, you touched on two other things. The fact that what, if I understand what you explained, that the, that the degrading plant matter from the boreal forests gets into our river systems, breaks down, produces these humic acid compounds that basically form the foundation of the whole marine food web. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's that simple. It's that. That's right. And it's simple. And
1: actually, it's really a neat thing. I have to tell you this one. Um, When the sun goes down, then something else special happens on the on the floor and the, in in the ocean itself. Um, it, the lack of light presses the button of an enzyme called the nitrogenase enzyme, which exists in all these tiny, weeny, weeny, weeny creatures. Mm. The nitrogenase enzyme gets down to work and builds up the protein. And it's the protein body in the morning that allows these things to divide, and that's the feeding foundation. So it's all light triggered. It's daytime triggered, nighttime triggered. It's a really neat system. And all you kids out there, I mean, if you want to look at all these, oh, my God, they're fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So, you know, all these questions haven't been answered. So uh, it, to me, it's a miracle. It's just the tapestry of nature, the tapestry of biochemistry within nature. And us included. It's
0: it is. It is. And that's, it's so, you know, the, the stories that you tell of how you discovered things and how these, how, yes, we know so much, but there's so much more that we don't understand. And what we now understand, the significance of the boreal forest, how much do we not know? So on that, I mean, you talk about, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but that area in Manitoba, Aki. Chow- Right, right, right. You were involved in—is it something yeah. like thirty thousand square kilometers and having the size had... of Denmark? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's now a world heritage site. Is that correct? It's a world heritage site, also for culture. Ah, beautiful. Wow. As well mm-hmm. as as well as resource. So, what can yeah. we do? How can we ensure that Canada's what remains of our forest here continues to to remain? And how can we as individuals protect it?
1: We have to have a conversation
0: about greed.
1: Hmm. We have to have a conversation across this country and discuss greed. We worship the celebrities. We worship the people who have lots of money and are greedily pulling every every penny of money out of the system. we have got to stop that. And I think the kids know a little bit about that. But also, we have to hold hands with the Aboriginal people. Now, some of them, you know, some of them are a bit greedy, too. So they're not all perfect. But choose the ones that have got their... You know, have got their feet on the ground and want to protect and want to protect their systems, just like Sophia Rabliowski's all of that crowd up in Poplar River and in Bloodvein. They stuck it out for a long time. And there are lots of Aboriginal people doing that right now. So back them up, give them your shoulder. And between all of us, that is that is what we need to do. It's not give in to these celebrities with their wonderful dresses and their this and their that. No, that won't hold the generation coming. It won't, it won't serve them well. Let us serve them well with thought and meditation and thinking and protection and get rid of this greed factor. I mean, I, you, all you have to do is look around the globe and you see that greed, right wing greed is mounting up. Just stop it. I mean, go out and vote for heaven's sake and everybody vote and vote with your conscience and vote with thoughts for your children and your grandchildren. And besides, if you don't have any of those things, go and vote for somebody else's children and grandchildren and have a bit of empathy for what kind of a future we're leaving for them, because it's not very smart for us to do this.
0: Diana that is such a clear and powerful message. I mean the and you you say this in your book, the debt that we owe to our indigenous peoples and that's what what really I think, you know, as you said, you were the last in your line to learn this this incredible knowledge from from your ancestors that had been passed on. We still have people in our land deeply connected to the land and with an understanding vast and 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 way beyond what we can what we can learn in our schools that are willing to share that knowledge. Yeah, they're marvelous. You also have a really simple, really clear plan that people really need to hear right now. You've called it your global bio plan. Oh. Can you tell me a bit about that, please? No, first of
1: all, the Global BioPlan. That comes from a book called Arboretum America, and it comes from another book, um, Arboretum America, Philosophy of the Forest, and it comes from the other book, um, the the Arboretum Borealis, A Lifeline of the Planet. Both of those books were peer-reviewed by Harvard, okay? So the basic distillation of those two books is the Global BioPlan that in Harvard, they think this is a very, very important piece of research, as a matter of fact. My mathematics, to reduce the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere of 400 parts per million, that is what is causing climate change. The reflective, dark ability of those molecular structures in the atmosphere are the big problem. So, What we have to do is to look to the forests. The forests are the only green molecular machines that suck up carbon dioxide. And the big word is called sequester carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. They break up carbon dioxide into carbon, which goes into the tree. And oxygen into the air that you are breathing right now as I'm speaking. So, my suggestion to take the 400 parts per million, which is now in the atmosphere, down to the 300 and safe and healthy parts per million is to plant one person, each person on the planet, each person plant one tree per person. Native tree for the next six years will bring the carbon dioxide levels down to the 300s and will buy time for future energy proposals. And those future energy proposals are in the basis of photons, photon research. The research has already started. It will take some time. We're buying time for a cleaner, safer. Planet.
0: Amazing. Diana, it's so simple. And you've done the calculations, just mm-hmm. six trees over, over the next six years. And and can I ask you then, There's I have two questions from that. Um, and the first is, if you don't have access to land on which you can plant a tree, I know you've referenced, well, plant a garden, have a flower box. But what do you think of, I mean, we we both, uh, before we started recording, um, talked briefly about the charity Tree Sisters. What about giving money to a charity that plants trees? Is that is, can that be a part of the plan? That or is can be a part
1: of the plan. Yeah, that can be a part of the plan. Like, I mean, for instance, you know, um, you can help even the people in Winnipeg who are trying to push the film, push the documentary, which is going all over the world. They could do with some financial help, I would think, um, because I myself would like to have this film shown Really, in, in Ireland, part of it, it is, it is shown in some places. I brought it to Burr Castle. But people like me, I don't get funding from anything. I don't have a pension plan. I have nothing. Mm-hmm. So look to me, maybe even buy my book so then I can kind of push push things ahead for myself. You know, there are people like me who exist and we're doing a lot of stuff for nothing, mm-hmm. um, you know, have pity on us. Uh, the tree sisters would be wanting all of the people who are planting trees, but it has to be the na- right tree into the right area. Now I have put together an app, and the app is called Call of the Forest. That is that app is for free, and it it's, it's geo positioned, so wherever you are on North America, you can look at that app and you can find the best trees to sequester carbon dioxide in your area and go and do it. I didn't have enough money to do it for the rest of the globe. And if there's somebody listening out there, like somebody who knows Cirque du Soleil, because I did try him, um, I did try him, and there are people with money, give me some help. Give people like me some help. Then I can apply this to the rest of the planet. So it's very simple, really. I mean, I have, like I said, a wheelbarrow with two holes in it. I am not going anywhere. I'm just flogging along and doing what I think I have to do. So help people like me.
0: Absolutely. Diana, thank you so much for saying that. I mean, it's, that's what you know, what you did when you when you walked away from academia was you walked away from from having the comforts of knowing where the salary was coming in. And you did it because Uh you knew that you had to. But it does put you in the position of really continuing to trust and really working from that place of higher good and passion and, and offering yourself as a resource for all people and all things everywhere. And this... Uh I, I I was amazed when I looked at your looked at your website again recently call of theforest.ca where that app is that you talk about how much free stuff you put out. There's so many uh-huh. great resources. I learned how to, when I looked at it, I have this beautiful jack pine and had wondered how to get at the seeds and there's a little 2 minute video you have up there telling me how to get yeah. the seeds out of my out of my cones. There's so much information there. So thank you. I love that message if you don't have access to land and you can't plant to tree support the people that are working for the trees so that- that's
1: right yeah yeah that's right it's very
0: simple yeah yeah, yeah that's very simple beautiful, beautiful and
1: you know that app that app took me a year to do I wrote a book another book underneath it to explain all of this science and make it more simple and make it correct mm. so I mean you know it took and I wrote the whole thing on a roll of wallpaper believe it or not and I wrote the whole darn thing. It took me ages to do. And I rolled up the wall, wallpaper, put it into a tube and sent it to Tactica. And Tactica decoded it. And they were thrilled to get it. So, you know, that's a bit
0: of wallpaper. That's what I had. And, you know. It's just remarkable. You know, this, this <laughs> image of you, the renegade scientist, those are your tools. A roll of wallpaper and a wheelbarrow with two holes in it. <laughs> that's right. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? (laughs) (laughs) And what you're able to do. What you're able to do. Wow. You know, the, you know, as, as I know um, we've been talking for a while, I want to I wanna wrap this up. There's so much more that I could ask you. But really, I wanted to, you know, I, I, as I mentioned to you, I have a forest behind my house. I walk through there every day. I'm always getting beautiful messages from, from the trees, from the, from the forest. If the trees could give us, if they could get us to hear just one message right now, What would the trees say? They're lonely. They
1: want more forest. Ah. An Aboriginal woman told me that she had got
0: that message. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Diana, um, could you, for anyone that's listening, you have, um, so again, okay, so we've got the Call of the Forest documentary, the calloftheforest.ca website. Your new book, Coming Out to Speak for the Trees. You have so many other beautiful books. I also, you, have, you didn't mention these two, the, the, the two that I have, The Sweetness of a Simple Life and um The Global the Forest. The Global
1: Forest is published in Chinese also. Oh, wow. And um, the Chinese top publishing house in Beijing. And they did a beautiful job with that
0: book. Oh, amazing. So it is across the world, yeah. They're both incredible resources for life and and for living. And you have another. Can you just tell me a bit about this other book that you have coming up? You said there's another book going to be released in November that you're involved with.
1: Yeah, uh, that is called uh, the International Handbook of Forest Therapy. And uh, the top brains in the world have been chosen to, to put that one together. And it's under the auspices of the World Health Organization. And what it is, is it is a book really essentially on ordinary immunotherapy for people and protecting them from cancer. It shields. What it does is the comments in there, uh, the the basis of some of my stuff and everybody else's stuff, is that um, the forest produces aerosol compounds that actually excite and increase the T cell ratio, which is the guarding system of the body, and it protects your body from cancers for 30 full days, all cancers, and the compounds are alpha and beta-pinene.
0: So walking through a pine forest? That would be forest
1: bathing, yes.
0: This this book basically talks about the science of forest bathing, is that that's right? That's
1: right, and all the clinical studies that have been done, all the neutrophil increases and all of that, that's, it's actually the scientific basis behind that and it's very exciting it's very exciting for oncologists to have this in their hands it's
0: very innovative it's cheap and it's easy to do Oh, amazing. And as you said, so important as we move forward in these times, I mean, yes, our, there's, we really have to be able to face the climate crisis, but there are so yeah. many other concerning assaults going on, uh, threatening our, our, our health and our survival. Um, and we need as much protection as we can get, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. And one thing is community. Build a community. Yeah. So you're not alone. Our communities have been destroyed over the last number of years. So let's rebuild them back together and believe in one another. Where none of us are perfect, but just kind of like people, you know, love people, you know, do the the whole thing, you know, behave towards people as you yourself would wish to be treated. So do that then you'll find people love you and respect you and will will do a lot for you and then you'll do that in return and it makes life worth living it 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 makes us laugh at things we can laugh at ourselves we can see how silly we are and uh, that's fun that's it makes
0: life good and warm and nice Yes. And we have the same message as the trees, don't we? I think. I think we're all a bit lonely. This, this way that we've developed of living that we think of as so modern and so necessary, actually, we're all pretty lonely. It's crazy. This. It's crazy. Yeah. And the more we're doing it, the more
1: lonely we get. So let's get out of our boxes and do different things. Wow.
0: Diana, Gura uh, Mila Maga. August <laughs> <laughs> can ah, me can I surprise
1: you know. <laughs> yeah, ah, now what you said you, what you said to me, Garamila Mahaput me," there be a thousand thanks to you and what I said back to you can maybe you always will be healthy, have the breath of health in your body and may you rise with that. Rise to your own abilities with that.
0: Beautiful. That's what I said back to you. Ah, I am receiving that in. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Diana. So, so, so much. Um, I so look forward to to learning more from you in your in your next book and and your other books I have yet to read and and hopefully we get a chance to meet in in would person. Would be lovely. So. Yeah, that would be great. Beautiful, beautiful, and enjoy the wonderful book revealed. To speak for the trees um, is in the world. So enjoy that the 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 manifestation of this this lifelong work of yours, which is really such such an incredible gift I gained so much from reading your book and the timeliness of it is incredible and as you said before we recorded it's this is one very important piece um to 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 ride on um what Greta is creating so she's she's demanding people pay attention and take action and here it is here's the action that can be taken
1: marvelous marvelous yeah do you just swing that into the airwaves and Mm-hmm. Let's see who catches it. it would be exactly. wonderful. Like a butterfly it'll fly like a butterfly.
0: Exactly. Thank you Diana. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. And there you have it, a plan. 6 trees over 6 years. And so much more information on the right trees to plant and how to plant them is available on her website calloftheforest.ca. We need the trees. Thank you.